You're listening to CKUW 95.9 FM, Winnipeg. to Bikini Drive-In on CKUW. Bikini Drive-In's mission is to analyze horror and science fiction films through an intersectional feminist lens while combining elements of screen and media studies, arts criticism, and women and gender studies. Since we'll be discussing portrayals of horror and violence, content warning, listener discretion is advised, etc. Also, spoilers ahead. Today I'm joined again by Alison Lang. Thanks so much for being on the show again. Thank you for having me again. Allison is a writer and editor based in Toronto. She writes for Rue Morgue and wrote a book called Women with Guts in the Rue Morgue Library. She also makes zines and is currently working on part two of her Music Men Ruin for Me series. Along with Esther Splett, she co-hosts a bi-monthly Facebook movie series called Toxic Femme Films, focusing on movies about hags, harpies, lesbians, sluts, and monstrous women. Today we are discussing the 2014 film Starry Eyes. Welcome to Big Taters. My name is Sarah. Can I start you guys off with an order of our freedom tots? We got all these people, all our friends. They're just sitting around trying to figure out what to do, trying to figure out how to make something. I thought you were avoiding me. Why would you think that? Because I stole your role. Come on, you lady. I work so hard. Every week it's a new class, a new audition. Hopefully you'll see something in me. I know I'd be great for this. We'll be in touch. takes for this role. A hopeful young starlet named Sarah unwittingly enters into a deadly agreement with a demonic cult masquerading as a prestigious film studio in exchange for fame and fortune. Allison, what is your history with Starry Eyes and why did you choose this movie? I, this is not like the most, uh, how do I say it? It's not the most lofty explanation, but I went through a period where um, I became kind of obsessed with, with films that explored body horror from a female mm. perspective. Um, and I think that kind of, I didn't know how to put a name on that. And then I read about, like, I read The Monstrous Feminine by Barbara Creed for the first time, which I know we're going to talk about later. Mm. 
and I read about the abject and I was like, Oh, that's why I like these movies so much. Cause they're, you know, they're, they're showing these, these women who are like um, basically disintegrating because of internal and external factors. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's just placing this very close lens on, on all of the, these phenomena that are really natural actually for women, but it's like just so amplified and uh, plays off on, I think, a lot of people's fears about women's bodies and all, all of that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, so I watched, I watched a bunch of movies that have similar, I guess, sort of bodily disintegration happening. Um, like, uh, contracted, which is about a, a woman who gets a venereal disease and her body literally disintegrates. Um, and I watched starry eyes and I watched, um, um there's a French Canadian, there's like a, French Canadian, like European movie called The Anatomy Force. I hope I'm pronouncing it right, but uh, it's a very similar movie where it's basically this woman, like she's just like very bored with her life, and it's, it takes place in one apartment in Montreal, and she literally just rots from the inside, oh and the whole movie is just about this process of her slowly rotting. The special effects are incredible. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that was another one I watched. Uh, and then there were a few, there were a few others. Um, yeah. Possession I watched for the first time and yeah, which is kind of, I think the grandmother mm -hmm. of this movie yeah. and, and so many of these other movies exploring that. But um, yeah, it was, it, yeah, it was an interesting time in headspace. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know if I recommend watching a lot of these movies in a row. Because, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah I, I just felt very weird and it may, it makes you look at your own body too as as any body horror movie does i think mm -hmm. but you're you know you kind of like you know how we're all sort of conditioned to like if we're in the shower you know when we feel abnormalities especially women you know if you feel if you're doing a self breast exam in the shower or something and you're looking for abnormalities or all that kind of thing and um just finding myself being exceptionally attuned to like any changes and being mm. like, oh, what, like, what's, what's going on here? Like, am I, am I being possessed or is my, my domestic, you know, my domestic life manifesting? In my yes. Life? Oh, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's also like connected to this like theme. And I think I've covered this in the show before, but like just maybe like as women were sort of like conditioned to be like aware of our own body more and more aware of our own space more. So maybe it's just, that's just like an extension of that sort of that idea. Yeah. So this is my first time watching Starry Eyes. So yeah, thank you for uh, suggesting it for the show. It had been on a on my watch list for a while, but yeah, this was like a good good excuse to watch it. Um, it definitely reminded me of um, Black Swan, Neon Demon, and Possession. And yeah, I think Alex also does such a great job. Her she just is like simultaneously like very fragile and sweet while also being like strong and ambition, ambitious and determined. She does like contain all those sort of elements at the same time in a really cool way. Um, the body horror and gore, really, really gross, really well done. Um, <clears throat> there are a couple of like more messy aspects to the film and that we'll get into, but I will say that the group of shitty LA friends reminded me of hanging out with people that I didn't like in my teens. Like, that is what grossed me out more than, like, the body horror or the gore or anything. That Those are the, the true villains of the movie. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I have a quote here from Alex Esso, who plays Sarah. So, you need to know who you are and what you want, because otherwise other people will define that for you, and then you're in trouble. Sarah's undoing is that she doesn't have a strong, sense, a strong enough sense of self 
to set boundaries, to protect herself from people who prey on that innocence and insecurity. And yeah, I, I just wanted to know what you thought of that. Does that reflect your sort of idea of this movie, your experience with this movie? Yeah, it does. It's it, I, like, I think your assessment of the character is, is very spot on. Um, and that's one thing I really like about Sarah um, is that, yeah, she does come across because you see so many faces of her. Like mm -hmm. she, you see how, like, you know, when she goes into the auditions and she's like, hi, like she's so chipper mm -hmm. and it's very, that part was very painful for me yes. to see. Cause I think it's so easy to relate to just being like, you got to put your best foot forward. You've got to, you know, you got to really put a good face forward. And especially in that industry, mm -hmm. sorry, I'm just going to take a minute to open this can. Yeah. Otherwise it will be loud. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that. Let me start again. Um, especially in that industry, but I think in any, any, sort of situation where especially if you're a woman and you're doing like an interview or any sort of public facing thing mm -hmm. I feel like we all can relate to that experience of being a little bit two-faced like our head flips around and then this like persona comes out um and I think women are a bit more susceptible to that because I think we have to like we there's pressures for us to project a certain type of energy mm -hmm. in these types of situations um but uh, yeah, all of that is to say is that I think I, from the get go, like Sarah, you know, is really struggling. Um, like she's giving herself such a hard, hard time yeah. in this. And you just want to shake her and be like, this is not important. Mm -hmm. Like this is like, this is not worth what you're doing to yourself already. But also um, she, she does assert herself and like does have these moments of power. And it's, it's definitely sometimes in movies like this where you see the main female protagonist go through like quite quite an intense series of events and a lot of different traumas you know kind of in succession um from the get-go she seems the character seem, can seem a bit one note kind mm -hmm. of like a lamb going to the slaughter yes and i didn't get that from her character like mm -hmm. she has a lot going on and she's you know she's trying her best to be strong and sometimes she has an almost inflated sense of ego which is really interesting mm -hmm. too but um yeah it does seem like her boundary issues are of course the thing that like constantly seems to get her uh in troublesome and very dangerous situations mm -hmm. and um yeah yeah she she doesn't have that ability to like yeah she doesn't have that ability of self-preservation yeah sure. definitely um, I just want to talk a little bit about occult in film. So we have instances of um, films like Rosemary's Baby, The House of the Devil, Hereditary, even Lords of Salem uh, to a certain extent. So they all feature sort of like old, white, rich occultists with weird plans that usually involve like assaulting a young girl. Um, so the cultists in this film are really interesting to me because they're kind of these like elites, this like Illuminati-like group of people that control Hollywood, which to an extent like that is real, <laughs> you know, like maybe not the occultist aspect of it. I've been just reading, I've been reading too much and watching too many documentaries about like Satanism in Hollywood. So that's like where I'm coming from right now. Um, but it's also like, you know, at the same time that like they like fetishize 
youth and beauty in the same way that the film industry does. And then like these actresses are these vessels within the studio system and celebrity culture at large, I think. Um, one part of the film that I did really like was the, um, her second, Sarah's second audition when she, she's brought into a room and it's dark and they just show like flash a spotlight on her and start like flashing a camera. And she's like, it seems painful, but also pleasurable and euphoric at the same time. And it's almost like framed like a ritual. And then like, even after her first audition, she's sort of like changing in, in small ways. Um, yeah, I think the film also does an interesting job of sort of talking about uh, the Hollywood casting couch. Um, so the casting couch is a term used to describe um, when sexual favors are demanded by an employer or someone in a position of power from an employee in order to advance their career. In the film industry, um, it has been revealed several times that like powerful film producers or directors are pushing for sex from aspiring actresses or actors in order to land them roles in a movie or TV show. Many times a vulnerable young stars are made to feel that if they refuse to, it would be detrimental to their career and complying would give them a leg up in the industry. And it's like, it's interesting that, that the filmmakers are making a comment at the, on this, but at the same time, like their intention is a little bit murky for me. And like, maybe this is a bit too heavy for a 30 minute show, but I'll try my best. Um, and yeah, I'm just not entirely sure like what the filmmakers are trying to say. Like on one hand, they're portraying the very common, very dark aspects of the film industry. On the other, yes, Sarah does choose to go back to the film producer after he initially harasses her and sort of, um, propositions her, grabs her. Um, but what, what do I, what choice did she have? Um, she probably would have been blacklisted and her career ruined. Um, as we have seen with many stories involving Harvey Weinstein. So if someone is put into, in, put into a situation where they can't say no, how is that consent or agency at all? Um, and I found that this sort of question is very similar to the witch. So did Thomason actually have any agency in following Black Phillip if her only option was to starve to death in the woods? When you mentioned the witch here, that is, that's definitely something that came to mind. Yeah, I've, I've had a lot of arguments, uh, and I have to say, especially with men, about whether the witch's ending is a good thing for Thomason mm -hmm. or if it is a capitulation on her part mm -hmm. um, that shows a lack of consent or is a choice made out of desperation yeah. rather than an autonomous choice that she's made to like better her life. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I tend to land on um, she has been, her reality was so un, unbelievably awful when her family was alive, mm -hmm. that um, her like sort of uh, you know accepting Black Phillip's invitation and jo joining the witches in the woods is a catharsis of sorts. Mm -hmm. um, with Starry Eyes, that answer is not as clear mm -hmm. for me. I don't, and it's funny because it's you know it's a whole idea of like Sarah's rebirth and um, her reinvention of herself. But yeah, many aspects like. It's, yeah, it just feels different. It doesn't feel like a catharsis. It feels mm -hmm. like, um, it, yeah, it feels like a poison. Mm -hmm. But then, yeah, you look at sort of like the scene when Sarah comes back and, you know, tells her, confesses to her pal what happened in the producer's house. And 
um, her friend's response is so shamey. Yeah. Which I think, yeah, which I think is, does, is very, you know, in many ways, very real. Yeah. And instead of being like, I'm so sorry that happened to you, mm-hmm. that motherfucker, she's like, you would never actually do that, would you? Yeah, no one else does that. I don't do that. I don't do that. Yeah, and yeah it just, like, puts so much of the onus back on her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't help, help but wonder if the filmmakers are sort of trying to say that, you know, her... No, even though she turned down this advance... It's like she's already been tainted, mm-hmm. so why not like, why not just kind of give in? Mm-hmm. Which is also messy, and I don't know if I, yeah, I, I don't know how I feel about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a funny one. It's also it's I struggle with like she's high on, I, I assume MDMA mm-hmm. when she goes back to the producer's house. So she's making a decision while she's altered, mm-hmm. and you know she's obviously altered when the producer like you can argue if it's consensual mm-hmm. or not. I, I still feel it's not consensual because she's, she's making decisions while she's not in her right mind and participating mm-hmm. in a sexual act when she's not cognizant. But, uh, yeah, but yeah, it is, it is, it's very messy. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, it definitely opens the door where people could argue, well, she went back of her own volition because of her, her ambition and her desires to like transcend these like kind of lame people she's hanging out yeah. with all the time yeah. and do better than them. So yeah, it's hard. I don't know what they're trying to say. Yeah, me neither. It's yeah, it seems very yeah, very complicated. Yeah. Um, I have a, I have a quote here from LittleWhiteLies.com. Um, Starry Eyes may seem like typical horror movie fare on the surface, but the events it portrays should not be taken lightly, especially in the wake of Hollywood's ongoing such sexual abuse scandals. In an interview with Nerdist, directors Kevin Kolsch and Dennis Widmeyer, Widmeyer uh, stated that the film was about the pressure that female actors face all the time, although to what extent they, they intended to raise awareness on this issue remains unclear. While Starry Eyes is not the first film to tackle the issue of physical and emotional abuse against women, it is arguably the first to expose the in- institutional abuse, which has been a dark secret in Hollywood for many years. They're bringing to light, they're portraying something that is real and does happen, but at the same time... They're almost framing it like Sarah's choosing this to happen. I'm not sure how you feel like is at the end, is it Sarah transcending or is she possessed and that real Sarah is gone and she's just this vessel? I feel she's a vessel. Yeah. It's, it doesn't seem like her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it doesn't seem, although she's like become sort of this beautiful, powerful being. Yeah. I think for me, it's like when she, when she puts on the, the outfit of the starlet and that mm-hmm. glamorous wig that we, you know, kind of aping that scene where we see her earlier in the mm-hmm. same getup, it just feels like she she's almost like capitulating to a tradition, and you know, like it it it's very not subtle. They like zo- zoom in on all the photos on her walls yeah. of all the starlets and stuff, which I I know they're kind of like hammering that point home. Yeah. <laughs> she is in this tradition now, mm-hmm. but yeah, it may, it it just got me thinking about like. I know this is not, these are not comparable situations exactly, but like, you know, like directors like Stanley Kubrick and Alfred Hitchcock and uh, the stories of abuse that the starlets in their films shared, Um, you know, especially Alex Esso actually reminds me a lot of Shelley Duvall, Mm -hmm. just in her, a bit in her appearance and stuff like that. So I, I think my mind kind of went there just thinking about 
you know, in the fifties and sixties, all these glamour, glamorous ladies, like going through these, going through, I think probably some pretty shitty conditions on yeah. these sets at the hands of male directors and producers and all sorts of things. So it almost seemed like by her putting on that, that get up, that costume at the end that she was just kind of resigning herself into that tradition of the past where it, it seems like it's, she's being empowered, but in fact, she's just kind of like being bound back into this, this cage. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's just my, my perspective. And again, I don't know what the directors were trying to say with that ending either, because she is also so powerful looking mm-hmm. and it is sort of portrayed as like, she's clean from all this like shitty influence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, yeah, it is interesting to think of like, there are two scenes, one at the beginning and one at the end, where she's looking at herself in the mirror. And the first one, she's like, looks like she's on the verge of tears. She's like pulling at her skin on her stomach, like just sort of like toxic body stuff that we all deal with. Um, and then at the end, she's like looking at herself and you can tell that she's like much more confident in her body and just like, yeah, so that's an interesting take too. Like she's fine. Like if you believe that she has transcended, that she's now this demonic being or whatever, that she has that sense of self and sense of confidence that she didn't have before. But at the same time, like if you, if she's, if Sarah is gone and this is a demon or whatever in her body, then that's, yeah, it's just a very tragic, it's a tragic story, I think. Yeah, I just want to talk a little bit about um, the Faustian contract. Um, so a Faustian bargain or, or contract is a pact where a person trades something of supreme moral or spiritual importance, such as personal values or the soul for some worldly or material benefits, such as knowledge, power, or riches. And this is also another interesting sort of thing to talk about in relation to consent. Oh, I don't know, this movie's so messy, it's hard to talk about. <laughs> She's just so like unwittingly, quote unquote, making choices. I don't know, maybe I'll take this part out because it seems too messy, but what do you think? <laughs> well, I'm like, I'm glad that you brought up uh, the Faustian contract because you see that so often in movies like mm-hmm. the, de- the Devil and... Um... I almost said the devil and Daniel Johnston, which is completely different. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Not a Faustian contract. A very, like, sweet, sweet sad story. Yeah. Um, the devil and Daniel Webster, or, like, oh, my God, you, you know, all the way through culture, through mm-hmm. to The Simpsons and how Homer sells his soul for the, the soul donut. Yeah. <laughs> soul donut. <laughs> Everything I know about horror movies, I learned from The Simpsons. I say, like, The Treehouse of Horror was, yeah. like, my framework for literally everything mm-hmm. like yeah uh, yeah pretty pretty important honestly yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah the Faustian contract because like she does is it like is she giving consent if she's entering into this contract but she does not she doesn't understand the ramifications mm-hmm. of what do you know what I mean like she mm-hmm. like there's a part of the Faustian contract is like you deserve what happens to you because you made this choice. That's like, yeah. if you think of it, like talked about it in the Hellraiser episode too, you deserve punishment because of the choices that you made, but yeah. she's not necessarily making choices. If she's like put in the, put in these positions where she can't give consent. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yep. Mm-hmm. So there's elements of this, but it, yeah, it gets complicated. Yeah. So you brought this up earlier, but the monstrous feminine it's uh, Barbara Creed's 1993 book uh, refers to the interpretation of horror films 
conceptualizing women predominantly as victims. Throughout the book, Creed observes how women are positioned as victims within the horror film genre and challenges this overriding patriarchal and one-dimensional understanding of women. Barbara Creed argues, using Julia Kristeva's notion of abjection, uh, that the monsterization of women occurs because of women's close proximity to the object, especially through menstruation, pregnancy, and childbirth. The female body constantly challenges the boundaries set up between inside, outside, living, and dead. So yeah, this is this breakdown of boundaries is portrayed in the body horror and Sarah's transformation. And also like, also related to our conversation earlier about her personal boundaries being sort of being broken down. Yeah, basically throughout throughout the film, they're just like slowly being broken down. Yeah, it's interesting that her yeah her her deal with the devil results in a, a physical dissolution. Mm. Like I've never I've not really seen that before except in movies like like the the only direct comparison I can think of is is Hellraiser, mm-hmm. where you know Frank is literally ripped to pieces because of his desire to transcend you know human life and and, and the boundaries of pain and pleasure. Um, like gets taken to pieces but yeah yeah her dissolution was really and it happens kind of quickly like Mm -hmm. it's the the movie the first part of the movie you know really focuses a lot on her ambitions her relationships her life and then like everything she falls apart so quickly like it it really it seems like it happens very Mm -hmm. it's very rapid dissolution um, although, as you pointed out earlier, she does start to change, I think, after the first audition mm-hmm. in very quiet ways. And then it manifests physically suddenly all of a sudden. I'm not sure if this was intentional, but like sort of elements of the monstrous feminine is also shown in Sarah's self-harm habit. Sarah rips out her hair, usually during very emotional moments and in scenes that sort of look like she's having a panic, panic attack or something like that. Um, so her coping mechanism can be seen as like an emotional release or a form of control over her emotions or the physical manif- manifestation of her anxieties. The, the choice to, to have to have Sarah to have these like self-harm habits, I think is really interesting. Like, yeah, it like adds another element to her character. And like maybe there's this, yeah, she's trying to repress these emotions or control them in a certain way. Yeah, I'm not sure. What do you what do you think about that element of her character? It's just a, uh, it was a good, it's a good device to show, like, it's it's inherent in women, women's bodies, it's inherent in our nature to constantly be changing, like, we're not static, you know, the rigors of life make our bodies change so much, mm-hmm. um, and if you can't control that to a certain extent, not to say that, that this is why Sarah's self-harming, but, mm-hmm. like, yeah, it makes a lot of sense that she would do that, and that that would be something that really attracts the attention of her, the, the Satanists disguised as the movie producers mm-hmm. um, in her audition and how they, that's the, the hair pulling is the thing that they're like, why do you do that? And mm-hmm. like, you can see their eyes glimmer and her response, I think is something like, uh, it, it helps me focus on what I need to do. Yeah. Yeah. She thinks she says like, Oh, it keeps me in the moment. It keeps me in the moment. Yeah. yeah. You could, uh, you could apply that to, you know, it keeps her in the, the acting moment mm-hmm. and keeps her focused on the task at hand or it just keeps her um, sort of in this this liminal state of uh, not really knowing herself. Mm-hmm. Like, in fact, maybe it doesn't exactly take her back to herself. It just, like, pulls her back out again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, that's interesting to look at it. 
I was I was listening to this podcast called Projections, and one of the hosts um, is a self-harmer, and she was sort of describing how, you know, these intention, intense emotions that, like, everybody has them at some point, but, like, people just have different ways of expressing them, whether it's, like, to self-harm or to self-soothe, and it, it was just, like, yeah, it sounded like it was very, not empowering, but, like, validating for her to see um, a character like Sarah, who does self-harm on, on screen. The directors could have just been, like, Oh, like her self-harming is just like this, you know, it's this another layer to add to make things creepy and intense. Mm. You know, it could just be sort of a, uh, a tool as opposed to something that would legitimately develop the character. Mm-hmm. Um, although I would like to think that they're just trying to, they're trying to show something that's very, very real. Mm-hmm. She's she, like, regardless of their intent, she performs it in an intentional way. Like yeah. I, she really seems to, it, like it just is very con- convincing to me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, long story short, it's like, I, I, I don't want to say I like seeing self-harm on mm-hmm. screen, but I feel when I do see it, the filmmakers are doing, a, making a conscious choice to show something in a way that feels real. Yeah. Like in this film, like it's not vilifying or villainizing Sarah but it is like a way for the cultist to sort of exploit her. So yeah, I, I have a quote here from filmschoolrejects.com. Sarah's violent audition was strongly inspired by Zulowski's possession from 1981, and specifically the scene with Isabel and Johnny in the subway. So I have a quote from one of the filmmakers in this article. We watched that film as an inspiration for how raw an actor's performance could truly get if you just let them, if you just kind of push them. And I also think that's like an interesting take to have considering like, Johnny's relationship with that movie and how it is such a like a beautiful upsetting emotional performance and like at her first time seeing it she self-harmed like she hurt herself or like attempted suicide I'm not sure like how how she considers it so it is just like again the sort of like strange balance in imbalance in the film industry with like producers filmmakers sort of like using their actresses in this way I mean possession it's beautiful but it was also like I think Zulowski had a quote, like, after Isabel and Johnny, like, hurt herself after seeing it, he he felt very bad that he didn't see that. Like, all he was seeing was the performance, not necessarily the emotional toll that that took. Uh, Yeah, I find, yeah, that, I mean, I'm not saying anything original here. I find that movie, like, incredibly hard to watch from beginning to end. And I know Mm -hmm. that's kind of the point, that it's it's intended to be sort of an exercise in, in endurance, mm-hmm. seeing, seeing her go through this this horrific journey, um, yeah. But it, it's funny that comment is so layered from the filmmakers, where it's like mm-hmm. they're you're literally making a movie about how the rigors of the film industry destroy young women, mm-hmm. and yet you're looking at this performance <laughs> and trying to invoke that energy from a, a young woman who was, you know, almost destroyed. Mm-hmm this industry and this movie yeah it yeah it's it's a lot and yeah i've never heard them that quote from them before mm-hmm. and it definitely yeah it makes me think about their intentions a little more critically perhaps than i i had before mm-hmm. Sh- showing that that particular type of, of breakdown are, are you showing the vilification of an industry mm-hmm. or is it also sort of a are we having like this voyeuristic mm. relationship 
with that um, with that performance, mm -hmm. with Sarah's performance. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's messy. It's so messy. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of messy, here's my incredibly messy notes. Oh, yeah, please. <laughs> I, the, you guys are just listening, but I, like, literally typed in Olivia's very nicely organized show notes. I was just like, Alice's notes. And then just smashed <laughs> the keyboard a bunch of So, yeah, feel, don't, yeah, take this very much at face value because it's very disorganized. One thing I didn't want to I did want to comment on um, that's a bit more superficial, I think, than some of the other things we've been talking about. But I just, and maybe this is me, like, I think, become, like, because I, I share the same feeling as you, Olivia, with her friends. Like, I really related to her having these relationships with people who she thinks are her friends who are really just, like, kind of awful. Yeah, they're, you, they're terrible. They're terrible. Yeah. And, and they're, like, I, I spent some time thinking about, like, who of her friends is the worst? And I honestly couldn't choose like yeah. obviously her rival who's always undercutting her at every opportunity is Aaron Aaron yeah, yeah. she's terrible she's like outrightly terrible but she then does a great job but yeah she is she's wretched except the one the one sort of like only moment of like kindness is when there's a confrontation in the kitchen Aaron's been like talking shit to Sarah and then turns on the light and she sees that Sarah's face she looks infected she looks sick and then Aaron is like what happened to you we need to go to the hospital like that's her, her only sort of like kindness that she's ever shown Sarah and that mm. that kindness is echoed um sorry the male filmmaker who lives in his van which is like so funny I can't even <laughs> hello my man. yeah what's his name like Danny or something yeah but he also does the same thing where, like, mm. he gets a look at her face and he's like, oh, my God, I'm really worried about you. Mm. Are you okay? I'm your friend. And it's so counter how we've seen them interact with her. Like, he mm -hmm. seems just as exploitative as the big wig producer, which mm -hmm. I know is the point. You're showing it on a microcosm level, mm -hmm. like the way especially men manipulate, you know, women in their in their artistic pursuits whether you're like a fucking dude who lives in a van or a produce a satanic old producer. rich creep yeah <laughs> yeah but he it was interesting because up to that point i was like it's really weird that no one is noticing how awful she looks mm -hmm. like her roommate they have like a conversation and her roommate's like gross you're puking yogurt into the sink and you don't smell good but her roommate is not like looking at her face and seeing like you are literally like rotting and mm -hmm. your face is infected like what is happening to you and her roommate doesn't seem to notice that mm -hmm. and I don't know if that's a choice or if that was maybe some not great acting mm -hmm. or what it was but like it made me think for a minute that it's like a metaphor of sexual assault where none of her friends actually believe that anything bad mm -hmm. happened to her right mm -hmm. like and maybe that's because she consented to go back. Maybe that's because of the way her roommate originally told them all that she was propositioned. They just mm -hmm. thought she she asked for it, she deserved yeah. it, she wants this or whatever. Mm -hmm. So they like ignore the fallout from that. They don't really see her or what she's going through. Mm -hmm. But then the in like the reverse happens where when Aaron and the, the van guy see her 
her appearance, it's almost like they're seeing her for the first time. They're seeing all what has happened to her, what mm-hmm. like this industry has done to her. And mm-hmm. it's, it's not something that has just happened after this, um, you know, this sexual violent sexual encounter with this producer, but it's, it seems like it's like they haven't seen the toll that this is exacted on her the whole time. Yeah. You know, from her hair pulling, her internal trauma, um, her ice, she obviously seems pretty isolated Mm -hmm. throughout the whole movie, that kind of thing. And like, it's like, they're also self-involved and partying and obsessed with their own petty shit that they don't even see her until the end. And Mm -hmm. then they see her and they're like, oh my God, but it's like, it's, it's obviously too late for, for them and, and for her. Mm -hmm. And it's, yeah, it's just so interesting. And again, it's like, it's another messy thing where it's like, I don't know if the filmmakers are talking about the fallout of sexual assault at Mm. all. Like, I don't know if that's something that they're exploring here or if it's a more, you know, maybe it's a broader thing that they're trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. I I likened it to, like, I've had a couple of friends who were, um, who disclosed to me that they were assaulted by Mm ex-boyfriends and that, and both of them had very similar experiences. This was like 10 years ago when they were in their 20s. But their friend groups basically sided with the ex-boyfriend, like didn't cut him out of their life, kept hanging out with him, maintained yeah. friendships with him. That's so common. It like it's makes me sick. So common. Yeah. yeah. And it like when you hear from people, yeah, like and I'm sure you've had, you know, maybe similar experiences with your friends or mm-hmm. your circles. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of us have have. And you're just like, how can they not? How could they not believe them? But it's so easy for us not to see. Yeah. Like all of us. And it's, you know, it's so easy as women to take the blame and just internalize. Mm-hmm. And we rot inside and no one sees. And like, mm. yeah, I don't know. But yeah, it's, sorry, that was another ramble. But it seems, it's funny too, as she rots, her house looks more and more disgusting. Yeah. And her room looks disgusting. I feel like that must be intentional. Like, their mm-hmm. her whole house is a disaster. And then she goes to Aaron's house. I think it's Aaron's house. And it's also so disgusting. It's like a disaster mess. I think that may just be me being like... Or it's like, like a skateboard house. Yeah, it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like if I just skateboard. I think it shows how, like, unfun I am in my late 30s. But yeah, I think, like, I'm just looking at these messy comments I wrote. But yeah, I, I like, really... I share a lot of your views with this movie where I think you could go a few different ways with your interpretation of what has happened. And uh, that makes it an interesting movie. I think it makes it also maybe not a perfect movie. Again, it's one of these movies that are made by men and they examine like a young woman's dissolution in Los Angeles based on a bunch of competing social and artistic pressures and how that manifests in monstrous Mm. ways. And I, it's interesting to think of, like, I always think of, like, what what would a woman's take be on this as a director? Mm-hmm. How would that story have been told? How would that gaze have been presented kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd love, sh- maybe I'm, I'd, I'd love to see a story like this told by, by a woman director. Yeah. I guess my long-winded way of saying. Yeah, and I, there was one scene in Sarah's transformation 
she's like splitting up blood in the sink. It's right before she pukes up maggots. But she's like, you could see that like her crotch is bleeding and she like sticks her hand down her underwear and it's covered in blood. But like what, I don't necessarily know what that's supposed to like symbolize like cinematically other than just like rot. But like, why is it also like a period? Yeah. What does that have to do with her transformation exactly? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah I did I wasn't sure if it was there just for a gross out effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if there was another sort of meaning to it. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. kind of how yeah I kind of felt like it was just to be gross. Like Ooh, periods are so gross. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like literally messy. Yeah. And then like thematically so messy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for being on the show and for talking about this messy movie. Yeah, if if any listeners want to add anything or any questions about this movie or any ideas, please. Feel free to email me at bikinidrivin at gmail.com. Uh, Allison, do you have anything to plug for um, Toxic Femmes? No, we're taking a little break uh, for December. So, oh. yeah, we'll be, we'll be chilling for a bit. Nice. And, yeah, where can people find your, your work and your zines? Uh, you can find all the things at uh, womenandsongs666.com. A very unwieldy website name but that has <laughs> if you want to for examples of writing or yeah. um yeah yeah anything like that feel free to go there and look at things um yep. you can listen to bikini drive-in every sunday at 4 30 on ckuw 95.9 fm winnipeg it's also available on spotify and wherever you get podcasts um you can follow me on instagram or twitter at bikini drive-in thanks bye
You're listening to CKUW 95.9 FM, Winnipeg.